0: So a couple months ago, my wife called to me during lunch and I I come in the room and we notice a crack running down the ceiling in our hallway and water was dripping out of the crack. So she'd kind of panicked, I start to panic and I'm like, where in the world is this water coming from? What could be in our attic that's leaking? We have a one story home what could be leaking into our home. So I hop up in the attic and I'm looking around trying to find where is this water coming from? There's no pipes that I can see. Uh, There's no wet insulation. I can't find. All I know is down from below, there's a crack in the ceiling and water dripping. I call an HVAC company. The guy comes out, um, gives me a short explanation, says, oh, it's not gonna be a big deal. It's gonna be okay. About 10 o'clock that night, my wife and I are sitting in our great room and I, We hear a crash and we both look at each other and know we know exactly what that is. The ceiling just caved in. So we ended up spending the next several weeks dealing with HVAC companies, water remediation companies, trying to first figure out what happened. We had to find the source of the problem before we could actually stop the damage, reverse it, and get some things repaired. Because the thing that he explained is we can't try and dry this thing out. We can't try and dry out the roof in your your ceiling if we don't know what the source of the problem is and then get that removed. Then we can move on to the step of drying your attic out. We still have we have an idea. Things are okay now. We, we've gotten the problem largely fixed at this point. We know at least where it was coming from. But that, that story Reminds me that so often in our lives we actually have to know the source of what's going on before we can actually deal with other things. So it seemed that water dripping through my ceiling, a cracked and then crashing in ceiling was the problem. But the problem was actually a couple steps back. We had to look at old ductwork and we had to look at problems in the ductwork before we could deal with the water dripping down into the carpet of our home. And I was thinking of that story because in this series where we talk about parenting, we, this, what we one of the things we really have to look at is like what is the source of parenting? What what is the 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 source of godly parenting? Not just the the effects of it. Like often we can be thinking through the tactics. Like what do I do in this situation? Or what do I do if my kid does this? Or how do I get him to do so and so? When When we talk about godly parenting, when we look at the Bible, we end up finding that what what God cares about is largely what's happening at the source, what's happening inside the godly parents, not just with the tactic that makes a godly parent. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 6 today. This is one of the more famous passages in the Bible about parenting, and Deuteronomy is the, uh, the second giving of the law. That's what the, the word Deuteronomy means, the second law. Because when at the end of Moses leading the people of Israel, he's not going to be allowed to lead them into the land of Israel. And so before he dies, God gives the people the law again, a reminder through Moses and a series of, of, of speeches to them. Remember, this is what God has called you to. And Deuteronomy chapter 6, Very famous on several levels. Very important in the story of the Bible. Very important in Jesus' ministry. And especially important when we look at parenting. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 today to see what does God have to say about the source of godly parenting, of Christian parenting, of parenting in the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's begin in verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you and your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you that you care to give us a source for godly parenting. You try to get at our hearts just as we try to get to the hearts of our own kids. Pray these things in Jesus' name. This this passage, Deuteronomy chapter six, includes one of the most famous statements in all of the Old Testament. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But this this passage is is really helping, trying to get us to focus our attention on what, does it, what is the heart of a relationship with God? What is a relationship with God built on? What is the source for that? And as we go through this series called North Star, we're looking at how did this, this passage apply and frame and give birth to godly parenting, Christian parenting. What I wanna show you today is that this passage calls us to parent from a relationship with God verses 1 through 3 really lays out this the, the, the context for this. Again, Moses is giving the law to the people for a second time, and he, he be- includes echoes of what we saw last week in the garden. These echoes that this call to Israel is really a continuation of the call that God gave to Adam and Eve when he says, so that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. It's got these echoes because he uses that word, your translation may say multiply. The God had commissioned Adam and Eve to multiply, to rule with him. And here in this passage, there's this, these echoes of that as he says, so that you may multiply in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. But the the this passage, Pointing us to the fact that these commands, the commands and laws of God are given to us and to our children and to their children. There's this multi-generational aspect to the word of God that's given to us. Really pointing us to this relationship with God that we may keep the law, fearing the Lord, so that we enjoy long life in this relationship that we have with God, points to the commission that God has given Israel, restating the commission that God had given to Adam and Eve. And so verses one through three, really, they leave me going, what does it mean to fulfill God's call? What does it mean to fulfill the commission that God has given us to multiply, to raise children in the Lord, to rule the world with God? What does it mean to do that? What I wanna show you today, and really apply that to parenting is that we're called to parent from a relationship with God. This passage points us to three ways that we parent from our relationship with God. The, the fulfilling God's call to us as parents. Really, it, it, it takes three forms. This passage gives us four ways that we parent for, or sorry, three ways that we parent from our relationship with God. Verses four through nine lay out for us that we parent. From our love for God. The heart of Christian parenting, the heart of the call of God to us as parents, is actually to parent from our love for God. Verses 4 to 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The part of this that usually gets applied to parenting is the part that says impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And that's appropriate. But the heart of this The heart of a relationship with God and parenting from a relationship with God is that the call to Christian parents is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So often, you and I can get focused on the tactic of what do I need to do to get the right outcome? And what God is concerned with is a parent who is deeply in love with at the heart level, at the soul level, at the strength level, and so we, the, the call to us is to love God. Christian parenting is not just, did you impress these things on your kids? Did you talk about them when you walked along the road? When you sat at home? When you lied down? Did you tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads? Did you write them on the doorframes of your houses and on your gates? The question, the heart of this is, do I love God with everything that is in me? That's actually the heart of Christian parenting: is loving the Lord our God. All of these other statements, writing them on our, writing the commandments on our hearts, impressing them on our kids, talking about them when we lie down and when we get up, tying them as symbols on our hands, is is actually pointing us. That is the result of a heart that is deeply in love with God. So the call to us is to as. to to pay that attention and go, God, I want to love you with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my strength. I don't want to settle for less. I don't want the tactics of Christian parenting without the heart of Christian parenting. It's teasing us right now that the weather's about to turn to spring. And I've been going with my kids on walks through the fields surrounding our house south of town and uh, we call them adventures kids they're like dad can we go on an adventure today and so we cross creeks and we go through farm fields and I guess it's these are like adventures for them and one of the things that we stumbled upon is I stumbled upon what I believe to be wild twig dogwoods I think that one of the one of the neighbor one of my neighbors had planted twig dogwoods and they'd actually spread over the years spread wildly into these other fields and i saw these and i'd had my eye and wanted a couple of red twig dogwoods in my flower bed in the at the front of the house and i went this would be awesome not only do i not have to pay for them but then i get the cool story of these are these are things we dug up these are things that we brought home and so one day i went out there with a wagon and a shovel and dug up a few red twig dogwoods planted three of them around our house but one of the things that i discovered i kind of knew that this was important but i really discovered how how this worked with red twig dogwoods is that you you really got to go out a lot wider than you would think because i don't just want the red twigs i want the root of the plant that's going to produce the red twigs because red twig dogwoods actually spread their roots through the ground and if I didn't go out far enough, I wasn't going to get a healthy plant. I was going to plant something in the ground and then it was going to die and never produce new, new limbs. It's never going to produce new red twigs that are going to look beautiful against the snow in the winter. And so then when we were planting, so I planted these and I noticed a few minutes later that my youngest son was out there and he had taken a limb that he'd found from some other tree and he was sticking it in the ground next to it, thinking this is actually how we, how we plant this. I want to plant a tree and dad has taken these, so I'm going to do the same thing. And I was reminded of that story because so often in Christian parenting, so often in parenting, we end up more like my son, taking a branch that can never produce, trying to stick it in the ground because it looks good. It looks like this is a tree, but it's got no roots. It's got no source. It's never going to become anything. It's never going to produce anything. We stick it in the ground, hoping to impress the people around us or to help impress ourselves or to impress God. When what the, the Christian parenting means that we actually go and get the roots that are going to produce the kind of fruit that we want. They're going to produce the kind of red twigs that we want to produce. And so we as Christian parents in this passage are called to try and go for the source. We need a love for God that animates our parenting. We want to parent from our love for God. Then we get the kind of Christian parenting results on the the top level. Instead of just going for, well, this is what it, this looks good on the outside. We're going to plant this. The call to us is to know, let's go for the root, which is the love for God, a deep love in our heart. And so the call to you and I as Christian parents is to pay close attention, not just to the behavior of our kids and not just to the hearts of our kids, but to actually pay close attention to our own hearts and say, God created me a clean heart. Give me a deep, deep love for you that animates my parenting the the call to you and i as as christian parents is to practice the kind of spiritual disciplines that fan the love for god into a flame so that it gets deeper and richer and broader encompassing everything in our lives especially our parenting We don't wanna just plant a a tree limb because it looks okay. Well, this looks like Christian parenting. No, we wanna begin practicing spiritual disciplines like Bible reading, like prayer, like like seeking the Lord in our, our daily life in other ways, like giving and fasting. Bible memory, Bible meditation, because not because we want to look good on the outside, but because those are God-ordained ways that we begin to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our strength. Because that is where Christian parenting comes from. We parent from our love for God. The second way that we parent from our relationship with God, we find in verses 10 through 19 is that we parent without forgetting God. We we parent without forgetting God. Verse 10 says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large and flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful, that you do not forget the Lord, who brought you out of slavery, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord said. Verses 10 through 19 call us to parent without forgetting God. There is this temptation that got to... When life gets good, when life begins moving on, this passage says when you, take, when you take over large and flourishing cities you didn't build and have houses filled with all, good, all sorts of good things you did not provide, wells you didn't dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. He says when life is going good, be very, very careful that you do not forget God. The temptation to you and to I, for you and I, is to begin to live our lives as if God does not exist. This passage calls it forgetting God, acting like, oh, I got these things for myself. I paid for these myself. I worked hard. I got these things. And begin to forget God. This passage says that the temptation is going to turn away from fear of God, to follow other gods, the gods of the people around us. The lie that we hear is that God does not exist. And we might with our tongues, and we might consciously in our minds say that God does exist, but we might begin to live lives that are functionally atheist. That we begin to live lives as if God has nothing to do with this. He doesn't have anything to do with my job. He doesn't have to do anything with my, to do with my bills. God doesn't have anything to do with what I eat. God doesn't have anything to do with how I parent. We begin to put God in a box and the rest of our lives become atheistic experiments of I'm going to do what I want to do. And this passage calls God's people to make sure that we do not live lives forgetting God, ignoring him, and running and serving the gods of the people around us. Galatians says that that greed is idolatry, and so one of the great temptations to you and I is to worship the gods of the people around us, in particular money and success and things. The temptation to you and I as parents is to worship the gods of the world around us and live as if the God of Israel does not exist. And so Christian parenting, parenting out of a relationship with God means that we pay a close attention to our hearts to say, am I actually living as if God doesn't exist? Am I parenting as if God is not real and doesn't have anything to say about any of this? We must be careful that we don't parent and forget God at the same time these verses that say, fear the Lord your God, serve him only, take your oaths in his name, do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, is pointing us to this, that temptation to turn away from God to ourselves or to other gods to take care of us. Forgetting God leaves us with a God-shaped hole that we try to fill with other things. This section Leading up to verse 19 is the part that Jesus quotes twice when he's being tempted in the wilderness. Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So this passage is calling us to live lives where we function as if God is real. We don't just say that with our tongues. I'm reminded in the New Testament, the the requirements for um, pastors, elders. One of the descriptions the New Testament uses is a one-woman man. That, that if somebody wants to be a pastor, if somebody wants to be an elder, then one of the requirements is that he's a one-woman man. Like, his attention and his love and his, his affections are focused in one woman. Not spread out, but focused in one direction. And that description came to mind as I read this passage, verses 10 through 19, that call the people of Israel to be a one God people. Nope, there is one God, and I'm going to parent as if there's only one God. I'm not going to be bowing down and worshiping the God of the people around us, money and success and fame. No, I'm going I'm to worship one God. I'm going to parent one, and be a one God parent. That's the call in this passage is to say, I'm going to be a one God parent. He's the only one I'm going to bow down to. So the call to us is to say, what is the orientation of my heart? Is it to go in all sorts of different directions, but functionally be an atheist? Well, you know, yeah, I believe in God, but I'm going to live my life as if he's not real. I'm going to parent my kids as if he's not real. Or am I going to pay close attention to my heart? being careful that I don't forget God. I don't forget God as I pray for my kids. I don't forget God as I as I discipline them, not for my good, but for their good. I don't forget God as I try to teach and raise them because I'm raising them for him, not for me. So that second way that we parent from a relationship with God is we parent without forgetting God. And the third way that we parent from our relationship with God is that we parent in God's story. We parent in God's story. Turn with me to verse 20 through 25 because I think this is really important. Verse 20 says, In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we may always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today and if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us that will be our righteousness verses 20 to 25 say parent in God's story this sets up this this. the day is going to come when your kids say, why are we doing these things? Why did God give us these laws? And I want you to notice that when the, the answer that Moses tells the people to give, the first half of it is on the activity of God in their lives. The first half of the answer is we were slaves in of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The, we do not understand the Old Testament if we don't understand that the law of God comes after the deliverance of God. The people of Israel didn't get that. They didn't pass this lesson down to their kids. They, they pointed to the the Exodus as the defining story, but they began to live lives as if that wasn't the full story. That's why God told, sent the prophets to say, one day I'm gonna come and I'm gonna give you a new heart and a new mind. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new mind so that you can obey me. because, But what this passage is calling us is to pay attention to when God tells the story of our lives, it starts with God's activity, God's salvation, and his commands come next. And so, then verse 24 says, The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees, to, to, to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Righteousness there in that context is talking about not legal righteousness that we find in Romans that's talking about our righteous standing before God as forgiven, but this, the relationship that God has established by saving us out of Egypt, that relationship is going to be kept as we listen and we obey him. And so what we find here is that That God's story is supposed to be the defining story of our lives. The defining story for Israel was supposed to be God saved us out of slavery in Egypt. And God is the one that established us in this place. And so, then when God gives us his words, the relationship that he has already made with us is kept as we obey and as we listen and so what we find in this is this call to us to parent with a different story so often we we parent with threats we 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 threaten with persuasion oh things could be this way Things could be this way if you obey me. If you want to be successful, this is what you should do. But what we find here is that we're actually called to parent from God's story. Why do we do these things? Because the great God of the universe has delivered us from our great enemy. The God of the universe saved us with a mighty hand. So Christian parenting tells a different story. It is a call to you and I to begin to parent from a different story. To begin to say, why why do we do these things, mom and dad? Why am I called to listen to you, to respect you, to submit to you? Why are you called to submit to authority? It's because we were slaves of our great enemy, Satan. But the Lord has brought us out of slavery with his mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible. He brought us out from there to bring us in and to give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. That's the God that calls us and commands us, the God that saves us from our enemy, giving us a new heart and a new mind so that we can want to obey, not just to you know, because we fear discipline, because we fear punishment, but because the God of Israel has saved me. And so the question for you and I is to say, what is your parenting story? What's the story that you parent out of? Is it God's story? The story of him coming and saving me, him coming and renewing me from the inside out, him giving me a record and identity that I could not earn and giving me a power to obey and to love him and to submit to his ways so that I can obey from the inside out. Is that the parenting story for you? Is that the story that we pass on to our kids? Why is this so important? Because God saves a people that are caught in a slavery to disobedience. Saves them with his mighty hand, establishing them in a good land and calling us to a new life. I think that this part especially comes out in discipline. Discipline that each one of us has to do as our kids disobey, as our kids have to be taught, as our kids have to be, we have to explain to them, like, what is it that we are doing? Is the story that we discipline out of a story of, this is what I want. Life's going to be hard. I'm in control. You should do better. Or is it the story of God who comes and who rescues who gives himself and then gives his commands so that we can prosper and be kept alive. Is that the way that we discipline? With God's story as the story that's dominating our tongues? I don't know about you, but as I read this passage and as I begin to think, oh, parenting from a love for God, oh, parenting without forgetting God, parenting in God's story, that's God's standard. That's what God's called to me is. I find myself judged because so often I do not parent from my love for God. My love for God can grow cold. And so my parenting doesn't come from a white hot love for God. So often I can begin to act like I am on my own and I have to make things happen in my house. I forget God as a parent or a parent with a different story with myself as the hero. Where is the good news for people like you and for people like me who find that this passage judges us? This passage exposes all of the ways that we have wandered from God, parenting out of our own strength and out of our own stories. This story is actually good news for people like you and for me. Because Jesus, the only one who can say and mean that he loved the Lord, his God, with all his heart and with all his soul, he added with all his mind and with all his strength. He is the one that died in your place and my place. How can this story be good news for you and for me? Because Jesus the one who is tempted to the very limit, takes this passage and throws it back in Satan's face in our place, and yet he dies as a lawbreaker for you and for me, the unrighteous. How do we find hope in this passage? We find that Jesus fulfills this passage in our place. Because God's story, lived out in Jesus, is we were slaves to Satan and to disobedience, but the Lord brought us out of that slavery with his mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Jesus Christ in my place. And he brought me out of that slavery to bring me in, to give me the land his son deserved. That's the story. Jesus is the one who takes our judgment so that we can be led out of slavery. And so as a parent, then our story becomes a righteous story. We can have confidence that God looks at us with affection and that we're not parenting from a love for God to try and earn something, but we actually have Jesus' perfect love for his father as our record and as our identity. And so now we, do, we parent with God's love for us. Right now, then we get to parent knowing that God is not gonna forget us. We get to parent knowing that God's story is a story of our rescue. Maybe you're listening and you go, how can this story be true? How can I know that this story is is for me? Joe, I don't have a relationship with God. How can I have a relationship with God? The Bible, it says in Genesis one and two, that God made the world and he said it was good. And then he made Adam and Eve. He made human beings, placed them in the garden, and then he said his creation was very good. And he gave Adam and Eve and everyone after them the charge to live underneath him, to rule and to govern the world with him. But underneath him is authority. But Adam and Eve, and you and I, every person in the human race said, no, we will not live God with you as our king. We will not live with you in authority over us. We want our own world. We want our own way. We want our own story. The Bible says that God drove Adam and Eve out of the blessed garden that he had put them in. Their relationship with God was broken, and then death entered the world through their sin. And the penalty for that sin, and for everyone's sin, is death, physical death, and separation from God forever and now. But instead of leading us there, Jesus came and lived the life that we should live, fulfilling Deuteronomy 6 and every other word in the law for you and for me, but died in our place, dying as the lawbreaker that we are, and was raised to life as God's yes, so that all who repent of sin, turning away from sin and trusting in Jesus alone to save them, can have his record, can be restored into a relationship with God, can know that when God looks at you, he smiles with great affection, with no sorrow about you. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit to live inside us, empowering us to live out that relationship he has already put inside us and begun with us. That's the story that God is inviting you into today. To say, I want to repent of sin and trust in Jesus alone. I want that story to be my story. I want to parent. I want to live. I want to spend the rest of my life living out that story. If you have questions about that, please leave a note in the comments. Please send a message to the church, to my email, to the church Facebook account. Get a hold of us. We want to walk with you down this road. To figure out what does it mean to begin to live in this story in the community of God. So this passage calls us to parent from your relationship with God. Emphasis on your relationship with God. But I want to imagine. I want you to imagine with me what kinds of things that changes when a parent or a set of parents get that idea. The parenting is no longer, oh, uh, parenting's no longer a negotiation of I'll do stuff for you so that you'll do stuff for me. This great deal making of I'm, I'm going to manipulate you and you're going to manipulate me and we're all going to just be unhappy. Instead, that becomes a house where, where parenting is motivated by a different story, not by you trying to give me something but God doing something in and through me. I'm actually being filled up with a love for God, not requiring the love of somebody else before I can love in return. I want you to imagine for me what that looks like when we begin to parent without forgetting God and realize, wait, I'm actually not alone here. God's not left me powerless. He's not ignoring me. He's also in authority over me. I don't get to set the agenda. I'm always relating not just to my child, but I'm relating to God. That's a different kind of parenting. That's a more responsible kind of parenting. That's a more empowered kind of parenting. What does it mean to to begin to parent in God's story? I want you to imagine what that looks like when we're no longer caught in the story of our own parents. We're no longer caught in the story of the generations before us or the culture that's around us. We instead get to pass on to our kids a different and better story of the God who has saved me and who is using me to reach out to you and into your life. That's a better kind of parenting. Let's pray. God, I pray that you will use your word as we've heard it today to to help us parent from our relationship with you. God, I pray for all of the parents who are listening to this, that you would fan into flame a white hot love for you that changes parenting from the inside out. God, I pray for the kids that are listening to this today, Lord, that you would use their parents to fan a white hot flame of love for you in those kids. God, I pray for those that are listening to this that don't have kids, who need a white hot love for you? That's the need we all have. God, I pray that you would use your word to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.